You are listening to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. and welcome to episode 40 of the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. And today on the Coffeehouse, we're going to talk about Mr. Johann Hummel and his rondo in E-flat major. For most people, Johann Hummel might be one of the most obscure composers we've looked into here on the Coffeehouse. However, like so many composers who lived in this Mozart-adjacent time, he was actually quite popular during his life and was well known for his expressive classical melodies and his exquisite piano virtuosity. He also lived right during the transition from the classical to the romantic eras, so perhaps his obscurity now is due more to the giant shadow of Beethoven that is thrown over this time. So Hummel's music education was in able hands from the very start. His father was the music director at the Imperial School of Military Music in what is now Slovakia, and this lucky chap was talented and so impressed Mozart himself, who then gave an eight-year-old Hummel music lessons and room and board for two years. Maybe why Mozart died broke. I don't know. (laughs) Taking in all these youth composers. So just to give you an idea of how much of a rock star young Hummel was, here's a list of famous composers he met just during his youth. In addition to taking lessons from Mozart, he was taught by <clears throat> Clementi, Haydn, Salieri, Mozart's nemesis, and Albrechtsberger, the teacher of Beethoven. And Hummel was actually taking lessons with Albrechtsberger at the same time as Beethoven, and the two became very friendly rivals for life. They even visited each other occasionally and exchanged manuscripts. Oh, that's nice. As he was moving around taking lessons from these greats, Hummel was actually on a concert tour that lasted for five years, and he made it all the way from Germany to London, where he was described by music publisher William Gardner as the most surprising performer that has ever visited England. Except the young Mozart. So, the second most surprising performer that had ever visited (laughs) England. He had a really remarkable childhood, actually, as composers were writing great piano works for the youth to perform. And even only as a child, he made quite a profit teaching lessons to adults. In 1804, after years of connection with Haydn, Hummel got his dream job. Haydn at this time was the famed Kapellmeister for Prince Nicholas Esterhazy, who was one of the great art and music patrons of the time. And Haydn was kind of getting a bit on in years, and Hummel was made Concertmeister to begin learning the tricks of the trade, soon to be promoted to Kapellmeister. Now, the prince loved Hummel's work, just as he had loved Haydn's for the many, many years of Haydn's employment. Hummel was eventually given the duties to compose and perform for the prince as well as teach. He was also allowed to compose for outside gigs as well, but that's kind of where a problem presented itself. In 1811, when Hummel was apparently spending too much time on his side projects and not enough time on the prince's music, he was dismissed from his post. Now, by the year 1814, Hummel was, shall we say, due to a strong suggestion from his wife, performing again (laughs) on a regular basis. 
but performance turned out to not be a great way to support a family, and so he got a more steady job as Kapellmeister in Stuttgart. But this unfortunately didn't leave him much time for composition, which seems like the start of a vicious cycle, but suddenly he found better employment that met more of his lifestyle requirements when he became the Kapellmeister at Weimar. Here, he once again could lead a rock star life, first befriending Goethe, who's a writer of Faust, and then being accepted into the greater intellectual world. This position at Weimar also afforded him much more time to teach and compose, thus making this one of his most productive periods of life. He also codified his teaching method and philosophy in a large treatise on piano performance and pedagogy. Near the end of his life, in the mid-1830s, he still made grand tours to Paris and London, and even though he was still very much alive, people were beginning to forget about this star, perhaps in the looming shadow of Beethoven. And there were newer virtuosos taking the stage and newer forms of music taking shape. And his health declined for the last few years, and in 1837 he died in Vienna, where Mozart's Requiem was played at his funeral. So let's talk about this rondo in E-flat major. Sources tell us that Hummel was a really light-hearted guy, and he could be angered by harsh critics or shady businessmen, but overall he was pleasant and fun to be around. And I think this piece in particular really showcases his easygoing and joyful nature. So this piece is a rondo, and perhaps we've talked about rondo form on the Coffeehouse Classical Podcast, but Allison, will you recap it for us? I would love to. So the rondo form is where there's a single melodic section that is brought back again and again throughout a piece, and between each of these iterations, there is new thematic material that is presented. And a common way to describe these different themes is with letters, and the first theme is called A, and in this piece, it is this joyful little tune. So when we hear a new melody, we've moved on to a different section of the rondo, which we'll call B first, and it sounds like this. And this sounds familiar. It's theme A again! So listen how Hummel plays some musical jokes on us with ornamentation in this iteration of the theme. Next, Hummel gives us another new theme, which, since it's different, will get a new letter. We'll just pick one. How about we'll call this one C? I would. I mean, I would rather theme R, but perhaps we'll get there. <laughs> and as the rules of Rondo go, we have to go back to theme A. Now, unfortunately, we won't get to theme R, as Hummel has chosen to only have three themes in this particular rondo, but theoretically, it could go on forever. 
introducing new themes and returning back to theme A. Therefore, it's a much freer style than something than, say, sonata form, which is the form that most first movements from the classical and into the romantic era symphonies are written in, which has very strict constructory, uh, constructive limitations. So as we mentioned, this rondo is really quite cheeky, and Hummel has a lot of fun with different techniques. The piece itself was written in 1804, which is much more in the Romantic era versus the Classical era. But many of the techniques Hummel uses were popular in the Classical era, and I think Hummel was kind of poking fun at them here. So one obvious classical joke is how Hummel uses trills. Now, we're sure that you've heard some Mozart piece where... Right on the penultimate, or second to last, chord of a grand finale, there's a trill to build drama before the tonic chord. Well, Hummel uses the trill in the same way, but goes way overboard with it. Congratulations, you just listened to a whole 12 measures of trills. But it was interesting, because he Hummel kept it that way, having moving notes underneath it, and at one point adding in an additional trill in the left hand. And the A theme itself is actually kind of funny in an awkward sort of way. The bass line starts right on the downbeat of the piece, but the treble line starts on the upbeat of beat 2, and ends rather abruptly on the upbeat of the next measure. just doesn't quite line up the way we think it should, or how the elegant classical era people would have liked. But it all works itself out in the end. I think it's also funny that Hummel writes the whole introduction of the A theme at piano, whereas most pieces of the nature from the classical period are to the fore right from the beginning. Now, I wonder with all of this musical fun, if a little of Haydn's influence isn't showing here because Haydn himself did, in fact, write a piece entitled The Joke. Mm-hmm. Hummel also seems to be making fun of what the classical era called, quote, dissonance. And it was common in the classical era to put a dissonant note on an accented beat, but these dissonances were created by notes that were within the key and were just simply adjacent to chord tones. And then, in a sort of sighing manner, it would resolve up to a chord tone. So, for example, a classical composer would write an accented B natural resolving up to a C in the key of C major. Now, Hummel does the same thing, but here he's written notes that are actually dissonant. So instead of just a B natural, Hummel has the audacity to write a B natural and a B flat cluster chord that resolves up to a C. kind of dissonance would have been unprecedented, but Hummel was on the forefront of making these new harmonies mainstream. And yet Beethoven gets credit for romantic era music. I don't I don't know. I think <laughs> it was Hummel. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one other trick in here that's not so much a play on classical motifs, but rather a play on practice techniques. As we mentioned, Hummel wrote a huge book essentially about how to play the piano. And I bet just practicing scales and scales in thirds 
were one of his top tips. And as you've been hearing a lot throughout all of these excerpts we've already played, there have been tons of scales running up and down in sequences and patterns. But now, at this point in the piece, Hummel has a scale in thirds and is the only thing going on for three whole measures. It's a break from all the madness that has been leading up to it, but it's almost like Hummel speaking to us. You must practice your scales if you ever want to be a great musician. Alternatively, my professor speaking to me. You must practice your scales if you ever want to be a great musician. <laughs> and Hummel plays one final trick on us right at the end of the piece. Very clever. He has a nice, traditional, classic ending with a dominant 5 chord resolving to the tonic 1 chord and the whole ending has been getting softer and softer until this final resolution. But of course, we can't end like that. He adds one more sort of ta-da finish that is suddenly forte and really is the comedic cherry on top of this really fun piece. So we hope that you have been able to find the fun in this rondo, and I hope you see that it's really not a boring piece or a boring form, the rondo form, even though we have the same melody that keeps coming back over and over again. Indeed, rondo means circle. It translates from Esperanto Spanish, and we keep seeing this first A theme come back. But it's interesting each time as this piece keeps surprising us with trick after joke after humorous little musical anecdote. So we hope you've all enjoyed listening to the Rondo in E-flat by Johann Hummel and, of course, the entire Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. If you did find some joy in this, consider sharing episodes with your friends or writing a review for us on iTunes to help us climb up the ranking charts. Just like Johann Hummel himself. So, for the Coffee House, my name is Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Hummel's Rondo in E-flat major was performed by Boy Nguyen Trey Tong. You can find The Coffee House on iTunes or Google Play. If you like this episode, please consider leaving us a review. We also invite you to like our Facebook page, where you'll see updates on our latest episodes. Send us emails at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. 